One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast on the final Sunday of the regular season here julian mckenzie i'm justin cuthbert and this is julian mckenzie and we're back for one more week before things get really really exciting but until then it's uh you know it's kind of a somber time in the hockey world certainly morning in montreal uh with Guy Guy lafleur's passing on friday um you know we're going to share sort of uh you know our our sort of reactions and all that to it but uh i think it's better to take the temperature uh with you julian because you're obviously in that market you've experienced what it's been like uh, you're gearing up for what'll be a big week, uh, big games in Montreal, uh, events and, uh, a lot of reflections. So, uh, you know, just give me sort of the temperature of, uh, how this community is reacting to this passing and how people are celebrating the life and career of, of, uh, Guy Lafleur this weekend. A lot of mourning, a lot of storytelling, a lot of story sharing, uh, a lot of commemorating and it's well worth it for, a man who in the illustrious history of the Montreal Canadiens, all the players, all the hall of famers, all the banners raised to the uh, rafters at the bell center. Now you, the Guy Lafleur, I think if you pulled a lot of Canadians fans throughout the different eras, he could stand out if he hasn't already stood out as the team's most popular player. Like when I think of the best Canadians players of all time, I think of him, I think of uh, Maurice Richard and I think of Jean Beliveau like the three, the big three of Montreal Canadiens players. And Maurice Richard, you could look at as the most fiery, the most passionate of the three. Jean Beliveau, the epitome of class. And then Guy Lafleur was just, like he was, he looked cool. He had the style. Mm. He had the presence. Like we, we talk a lot about men, you know, we, we wish more NHL players were like superstars and leaned into the celebrity. Guy Lafleur did that. He did that before Wayne Gretzky did. And I mean, it, it, obviously in the varying ways between the two players, obviously, but in Montreal, like he was obviously just like treated like a, as a God, you know, the fact that he was able to win as many cups as he did, the goes down as the all-time point getter for the Montreal Canadiens. Dude could just like walk around Crescent or different bars around the city and people would just love him and latch on to him. And he, people loved him for that. He was in an era where obviously you're not playing with any helmets. So you're able to see his whole face and his hair. You know how many people have commented on his hair in the last how many days? There's a reason why he was known as uh, Le Démon Blanc. Uh, obviously there's flower, but Le Démon Blanc is just the flowing blonde hair when he would just streak through the, well, just speed through the ice. Like mm-hmm. there are so many things about him uh, that a lot of people love to point out and commemorate and remember about him like i always like to say that you know what i wasn't alive in the heyday of when the canadians were truly great but i've seen so many kilo flair highlights because people just want to throw that out there for whatever reason it's just embedded in hockey history 
you know, not to say I've already seen enough of his career, but like, there's no way I can ever forget a player like Guy Lafleur. There's no way no one could ever do that. I was listening on uh, TSN 690 radio on the day of his passing. There was one show in the morning uh, called the Montreal Forum. And the show has like a long kind of, I don't want to say bloated intro, but it has all these different effects. You hear like a random song. Uh, I think it's actually Eye of the Tiger in the, in the background and all these different clips. And the one highlight that always plays is the Gila Fleur game time goal in the 1979 uh, Stanley Cup semifinals against Boston. The too many men penalty, the goal forces overtime. And that day they just played the clip and the host just comes in and he could barely get a word out. That's his favorite player of all time. He's sobbing like on air. He's getting all these different guests to come in and he could barely get through it. And that's on the English side. You can imagine what it could be like on the French side where mm-hmm. they obviously idolized him. And it's at a point now where uh, like not too long after we started recording today, uh, the Quebec premier, uh, Francois Legault, announced plans for a state funeral. And I've been thinking about this like all weekend. I mean, it's not a surprise to anybody that Guy Lafleur is going to get something like this. But how many other people who have played for a Canadian team, minus Wayne Gretzky, because we knock on wood, we're not calling for it. We know if that when that day comes, that is a national day of mourning for Canadians yep. all across the land. But how many people across the country who have played for Canadian teams, who have come up for those different teams, would get the treatment that a guy like Guy Lafleur would get? And there's no one who would even come close. You're talking about one of the most iconic players ever, one of the most iconic stars in the league. And it's only right for that to happen. It's also just timing, just being a really weird thing. When the announcement of Mike Bossy passing away happened, it happened mm-hmm. on a day where the Islanders just happened to be in town in Montreal. And that night they held a tribute and they showed a photo of Mike Bossy and Guy Lafleur shaking hands after a playoff series. And on the surface, you'd think, okay, this is a great way to show uh, two of the league's greatest players of that era, just showing each other, um, you know, just, just, just praising each other and, and congratulating each other. But you look deeper into it and you think of the fact that both men had been battling lung cancer. And just as one man's light had just gone out, I think everyone in the building that night kind of knew that it wasn't too long before we would hear the end of Gila Fleur as well. And that was a bit of a sobering moment for, I think, for a lot of people. And not too long after that, the Canadians said, okay, we need everyone to respect his privacy. And then we hear the announcement on Friday. It's a very sad time, but I've heard a lot of people celebrate him and remember his legacy and remember his life and people from all across the Canadian spectrum and you're in Martin St. Louis talk about him. And he never even played with him, but he's someone who uh, has obviously met him a couple of times. He mentioned Guy Lafleur was at his mom's funeral when her, when his mom passed away and, and even older players who played with him, just hearing their stories and hearing stories of him as a teammate. Guy Lafleur will go down as the epitome of what the Montreal Canadians at a different time should be. And if you go beyond that with his generosity and how he treated fans, how he just treated people, like you would think of him as like a saint. If you heard all these different stories, he will never be forgotten. And it's, it's, it's been really fascinating to see uh, so many other people uh, tell their stories. And I'm sure we're going to hear more of that leading up to the state funeral, I believe on May 3rd and beyond that. He's someone who is deserving of this 
And the fact that he's getting all the tributes he's getting from across the hockey world and beyond is very just and deserving for someone like him. Yeah, what strikes me in these uh, situations, obviously unfortunate situations, is just especially with Montreal, the history and the connection between team and franchise legend is just it's it's beyond compare. It really is like you're talking about Gretzky and, and you know, what could compare to this. And it's kind of a morbid, weird conversation to have. But really, there's nothing that can compare to the loss of a legend in Montreal when looking at these other teams and other franchises and even across other sports. I mean, it is so ingrained into the culture and it's so important for a variety of reasons because these players were so great. But you mentioned the generosity and just being there and being consistent and just being good humans that represented this franchise and had so much success. There's a long line of these players and Guy Lafleur, unfortunately, is the latest that is that has passed. Um, there's going to be a lot of celebration and a lot of remembrance this week. Of course, the Boston Bruins are in Montreal. You'll be going to that game. I assume uh, yes. that's going to be, you know, the first game back. Uh, it's going to be very, very emotional. The state funeral, which is going to happen the next week, I believe. I mean, it's going to be, we're going to be celebrating uh, Guy Lafleur until the end of this regular season. And of course, beyond that. Uh, but you're right. It's hard to even drop a comparison. I mean, Johnny Bauer here in Toronto had, uh, a service or a, 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 I don't want to say an event, but just uh, a, mo- uh, a day where the public could come and pay their respects at Scotiabank Arena. And of course, we'd see that if, in, in other situations across the country, but it is so important. And you mentioned, I think we were actually talking earlier about precedent. I mean, we've seen these before and it's almost like it has to happen because the public, uh, it, Guy Lafleur means so much to the public that um, there has to be a moment where they can come and the whole city can come and pay its respects uh, to a player like Guy Lafleur uh, and a legend, really, in hockey. I've had trouble sort of not just, just like... the city, not to stop you there, but not just the city, the entire province. I mean, remember, yeah, he also true. got to play with the Nordic as well. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, people in Quebec City for a time also got to appreciate his greatness as well. This is somebody who and, and this is a guy who came from a small town in Terso, Quebec, like this is this is a guy who not just for an entire city but for an entire province and for an entire culture he's he's embedded in the fabric of of quebecois culture like he he is a a true son to the province i just want to add that that's a big difference too like born in quebec speaks the language obviously represented both teams like so so important to hockey in Quebec and hockey is so, so important, obviously in Montreal and the province of Quebec. It's hard to even drop a comparison because it is almost so perfect and, and the belonging or the sense of belonging is so strong. I was just going to say before, like I'm trying to, because I'm with you, I didn't watch Guy Lafleur, Guy Lafleur play and I know him from highlights. I know about the hair and the flair that he played with and all that but I'm having trouble really contextualizing because I don't understand what he meant in the moment. But I was talking with my, with my dad who was really broken up about it. And he said this, and he, the reason why, I mean, there was other reasons why, but this was the first superstar that he covered. And now that got me thinking about how am I going to feel when I'm 30, 40 years older and I'm reflecting back on the superstars and the players that I covered in this industry. So it, it kind of stopped me in my tracks and, and thought, you know, soak up as much as this as you can and, and, and try to enjoy and savor and learn 
and observe as much as possible in these moments that you do get, because one day you're going to be reflecting. And when you're reflecting on those moments, uh, it's going to mean a great deal to you. Um, like this did, like Guy Lafleur's passing meant to so many in Montreal, in Quebec, in Canada, and even beyond that. So that was that was sort of my reminder here uh, that you know this is this is sort of the path we chose. I mean, this is this is what means so much to us, means so much to Canadians, and to just make sure that uh, you're respecting every moment. I guess is is sort of my take home. Yeah, I, I want to just focus a little bit more on the superstar thing. Another thing I'll add to, I was trying to make that connection about timing being a funny thing. You did mention it. Yes, the Canadians are playing against the Boston Bruins on the Sunday, and that is the team. Guy Lafleur scored that amazing goal in 1979, which, again, with the illustrious history that this team has, the fact that you could say that Guy Lafleur could arguably be the team's most popular player, and that goal could be like the greatest in franchise history, says so much about that type of player. And the fact that he was so accessible, especially in his retirement, like that just speaks to the level of celebrity and stardom that he had. I know friends who have had so many opportunities to meet Guy Lafleur and take photos with him and get all these great quotes from him. I was talking with a friend of mine who's, who was, who's in the Canadians organization and they met, uh, they have like photos of themselves with Guy Lafleur and they said they didn't even really talk to him. He just, they just like nodded in their direction and then, and Guy Lafleur nodded back. And that was enough. Like, mm-hmm. like I see all these people put up the head. I met Guy. He did this. There's like this one other story where this one fan really wanted to meet Guy, but he lived like way too far out from where he was. And Guy like flew in a helicopter to meet that fan and all that. <laughs> like so many stories like that. And I'm like, I don't have a photo with him. I don't have anything like that. And it feels kind of, it's weird to say, put myself in this and say like, I'm envious, but like, I would have loved the opportunity to meet someone like Guy Lafleur, considering how he meant so much to so many people, uh, not just in Quebec, but also just across the hockey world. And yeah, like now that I really think about it, like when I think of the stars who play in Montreal since Guy Lafleur and think of even stars who play in the national hockey league since that era, like, I don't think we're going to remember them the same way. I don't think they're going to touch us the same way that Guy Lafleur has maybe in different ways, but like not to be cliche here, but he's really, he really came across as a guy who was a one of one in terms of how he handled fans and the way that he played the game. And yeah, it's something that uh, we, I don't know if we'll ever feel that way with any other star player that we've covered or we've seen again with Wayne Gretzky, that's a whole other echelon of player but yeah, that when you look through the Canadians and you look through the the players who have played, who have put on the Bleu Blanc Rouge jersey, like Guy Lafleur stands above the rest, man. And he mm-hmm. was emblematic of that era. He was great for that era. He did so much. I know I'm going on a lot of uh, superlatives and stuff, but he, he I can't, you can't do the man justice by just saying one line about him, man. He really was that dude for the Montreal Canadiens. It is hard to imagine, right? But I mean, I don't think, and just bringing it back to what I've said earlier, the first superstar my my old man covered, I don't think he was thinking that in that moment either, right? Like, I think they knew mm-hmm. how special this player was, obviously, but there was special players all across the league at that time. But it is also how you act and how you conduct yourself after you move on. And I think you don't know it in the moments, but you covering the Montreal Canadiens run of the Stanley Cup final last year, I mean, you're going to have memories 
from that that are going to endure forever. And it's going to be part of your reflections when you're reflecting when you're 10, 20, 30, 40 years older. Uh, I think that's just a part of it. So I think we have to stop and sort of check ourselves all the time. And this is, I mean, whenever someone passes on, it's like, it's, it's a, it's, it's time to do that. And it's not, it's a reminder to do that. Um, but you never know what's going to happen. And uh, I mean, Guy Lafleur's obviously touched so many people's lives and those photos, as you mentioned, that you wish you had, I mean, probably a lot of people didn't think about it 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years ago when maybe they got that opportunity for a picture or an autograph or a memory even. Um, but now it probably, you know, they're probably cherishing it this week um, with the unfortunate news. Yeah. Actually, another photo story. Uh, another one of my good friends was talking about uh, their dad uh, who had unfortunately passed away, I think, about two years ago. Uh, years years earlier, they had met Guy Lafleur, and they had this photo with him. And as he had passed away, my friend was looking for this photo, and, and he thought he had lost it forever and felt devastated. And him describing him finding that photo, literally just screaming and, and yelling, tears, having tears of joy, just, you know, just being overjoyed out all that, like, you talk about people cherishing those photos. There are going to be a lot of people doing stuff like that over the next little while, autographs, any other piece of memorabilia that they have from him or anything like that. Like that's, that's something that they're going to cherish. What's also really interesting too, is like, like a couple of days before Lafleur's passing, like the Canadians had a night where uh, they had members of their management team talk to older players and they had them in an event. And that's always been like a point of, not contention, but just like there's there's always been a lot of discussion about how some of the older players and the connection to the to the team. And I'm and I bet that night, I bet that night they were probably all talking about Gila Fleur and his condition. I bet that's probably that probably ended up being a main topic of conversation. Apparently, Jeff Molson, I think, visited Guy maybe like a week or two before his passing, and they were talking about the current team. Like Gila Fleur wanted to be connected all the way to the end. We've heard stories of you know, maybe Guy Lafleur should get into Jonathan Drouin's ear about different stuff. Like Guy Lafleur found a way to still be connected or at least be some kind of presence for even this current generation of the Montreal Canadiens. So that just goes to show the staying power that he had. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think we um, we sort of surrender our right to like idolize players in the game when you sort of get into the line of work that we're in. Um but I, I, that's that's moot when it comes to people like Guy Lafleur, who obviously transcend transcend that. And again, it is beyond what you do on the ice. It's being someone who's relied on at all times to be involved, like you mentioned, with Guy Lafleur. Like, we got a problem. Let's let's go to Guy. Let's let's figure out what he would say. What what does he think about this subject? I mean, uh, that's that's staying power. That's lasting. That's ultimate respect. And of course, the hockey world is paying its uh, paying its respect and has the ultimate respect uh, for Guy Lafleur uh, today and always. Um, tough transition, but yes. let's go from greatness then and currently to, well, currently I guess with the Florida Panthers, um, an amazing run that they're on here as we go down the stretch. Thirteen straight wins, above one hundred in terms of goal differential. They've scored the most goals in a quarter century or on a pace for it at least. And they've got the salary cap record for most goals in the season. They've overtaken the Colorado Avalanche in the President's Trophy race. They've ran away with the Eastern Conference and, of course, the division. Uh, They are on an absolute heater at the most important time. So 
Should we talk? Should we be talking about them and not the Colorado Avalanche as the NHL's best team and the clear favorite to win the Stanley Cup? That man, that is a. Re- I mean, they look really good. They they've looked really good all year long. They're built the right way. They made great additions at the deadline. Maybe the biggest question, I guess, might be goaltending, but it looks as if they could play and withstand through many struggles with that. If Sergei Bobrovsky really isn't that guy, is Spencer Knight really that dude too? Maybe that could be possible. That could be possible. I, I don't see that being that big of an issue, even though you really need goaltending to go through a postseason. I don't see it being that bad for this team. I don't know if I'm ready to say they are the team. I mean, them in Colorado, they're so close to each other, but and they both have so much to prove. That is the most interesting thing about this, right? We're not talking about a team that uh, has had lengthy playoff runs and they've been knocking on the door of contention for quite some time. And this is the year they're going to put it all together. This is still a franchise that has not won a playoff series since 1996. This is a team that is, is, is hot right now and they're doing everything they can to have a lengthy playoff run. Maybe they win a round or two this year. And if they fall short of that, that's obviously going to be a failure, but they're not like Tampa Bay. And if Tampa Bay finds a way to go on a run and win, how surprised are we really going to be considering they're the team of that era? Like that's, that's my biggest question about this. Like whenever we see teams that look really good, but they don't have a lot of like playoff success. And then when we look at the bracket, we're like, Oh, Hey, some of the usual suspects like a Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh back in the day or Washington end up there. You're just like, Oh, well, why did we believe in this supernova team in the first place? I don't know if I can do that with Florida. I think they'll actually win a couple of rounds. And I, and I, I think they're the, I, I'm willing to say they're going to be the Eastern conference representative in the Stanley cup final. Are they the best team though? I, are they better than Colorado? I, I don't know. It's only because Colorado can boast just as heavy of a lineup and they, you could, you could say they might be a little more sure handed in goaltending. And, but even in Colorado's case, are they going to be the ones that come out? What if Minnesota upsets them? They have pieces and they have urgency to win now too. I have mm-hmm. a lot of questions. It's I'm, so maybe I'm maybe I'm ducking out of, of answering if Florida is really better than than Colorado, but like they're really good. They're the class of the Eastern Conference that they've been all year. So I'm willing to say that. But like if we ask this in January, maybe I'd be a little bit more sure because it's easy to kind of say who's the best team in the league right now. But so close to the playoffs, where we know that being the best team ultimately doesn't really matter, I hesitate. Yeah, I don't think you can dispute the fact that the best team in the Eastern Conference in the regular season by far, I mean, the points tell you that, but I just think the way that they have just trucked through this season, uh, the numbers are prodigious, the, the run that they're on right now, like everything points to them being the clear best team. But again, this is not the Premier League. This is not European soccer. You don't win anything based on what you did in the regular season. I don't subscribe. Which is a to shame notion. because you should. <sighs> I know everyone hates the playoffs, but I kind of like the playoffs. I love the playoffs too. But I also yeah, yeah. like, I love the idea of teams actually, you know, going through the gauntlet of an 82 game season and being recompensed for, you know, being yeah. the best team over 82 games. If I do wish gonna... it meant more. I do wish it yeah. meant more, but it just like, you can't fake that sort of stuff. Like it just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like you can't, I, I, you, there's an award 
but no one cares about the award. Like you just can't force people to care about something. And you have to incentivize don't it care. in a way to get them to care. You have to incentivize it to make it yeah. that they should care. Like, I don't know if you add like more salary on, on top of players winning the president's trophy. Do you give them an automatic buy into the playoffs next year if they win, just in case some weird crap happens. But even then, like considering how teams might want to restructure themselves and tank and all that, is that something you necessarily want to do in this era? Like, I, I don't know. Like it, it, you have to do something because I don't mean to hijack the conversation here, but no, like go for it. you, you play through 82 games of a season yeah, and you could be like Tampa and get swept at four and it means nothing. I don't yeah. think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. At all. If, if we're going to say, okay, the playoffs matter. Well, so they did win the president's trophy. regular season. I mean, yeah, they won the president's trophy. And then what happened to them? They got the ass beat by Columbus and it doesn't matter. Like, Unfortunately, the only comparable, I think could be golf where the four majors mean the most clearly the masters probably means even more than the other three, but they have the FedEx cup. They have the FedEx cup standings all year based on how you perform all year. And guess what the prize is. It's not a trophy or a jacket or something that they're trying to make uh, mean as much as a major. It's just cold, hard cash. If there's $25 million at the end of the road for the president's trophy winners, and they all get a $1 million bonus every player then maybe there'd be a little action at the end of the year and teams playing really, really hard to try and get that million dollars. Maybe that's possible. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. You can't just throw money at everything and expect it to work. But I think that would make things a little bit more interesting. Why the hell can't you throw money and make a problem go away? That's how a lot of these billionaires Pretty much, but it didn't fix the all-star There's just not enough life. There's just not enough money at the all-star game. Like a hundred grand, it's like they'd rather look cool than earn the hundred grand, but that's another take, story. Take itself. from the pot of the all-star game then. Take it from that because the players don't care about the all-star game that much anyway. Put it all towards the president's trophy if you have to. Anyway, again, I'm sorry I hijacked the conversation, but I, I'm definitely in the camp that says the regular season should absolutely matter more. Not more than the playoffs, not more than the Stanley Cup. But if you're going to go through 82 games and you go through a season like what the Florida Panthers have gone through already, people do not care about Jonathan Huberto having the season that he's having, just pointing out the fact that he doesn't play defense and that he plays with Alexander Barkov. Literally, the only thing that will matter for the Florida Panthers is if they win the Stanley Cup this year. If they made at least the president trophy, you know, a little bit more worthwhile to win they could at least look back on that season with a bit more pride beyond just whatever individual accomplishments that they had and team accomplishments that we know that the team will try to make their fans or everyone else care about, but no one really cares about. But a president's trophy, having that matter means something, having that incentivized, that would make it really cool. But I get that's a whole other argument for another story, but like, I, I just think that has to be pointed out here. Definitely a harsh reality of hockey is you can be brilliant for 82 games, 200 days. I don't know how long their regular season actually is, but you can be great for so long. And then it goes up in smoke like the Tampa Bay Lightning have uh, recently experienced, although they've erased those memories uh, pretty efficiently. Um, One thing that could help incentivize would be the play-in. I don't know if I love the play-in. I'm sort of on the fence there. But if there was the play-in, at least... The Florida Panthers would avoid the play-in, obviously. They'd get a team that's already played an important game, maybe on the second night of a back-to-back. Maybe there's incentive there. But again, I just don't think – I think in your mind it makes a lot of sense, but in reality and when played out in real time, I'm not sure it would make much of a difference. But anyway, Florida Panthers, they are clearly the best team in the East. Like, yeah. they're coming in as deserved favorites. They should be considered that. However – However, just like the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have the specter of the Tampa Bay Lightning lingering. And the Tampa Bay Lightning 
provide a reminder this week that they can still be the Tampa Bay Lightning of old, having hammered and humiliated in many ways the Toronto Maple Leafs in an 8-1 victory where they were basically bullying the Maple Leafs throughout the entire game. They can do that sort of thing. I mean, I jumped the gun a little bit. I was so excited to pick Toronto. I think Toronto's better than Tampa. However, when you play that sort of game and you got Alexander guys like Alexander Kerfoot freaking out because they took a body check and other guys tapping Corey Perry on the top of the head with their stick, like they're playing the bongos, like they got Bonk. them out of their element. And Tampa Bay can get any team out of their element. So they've got a lot of landmines ahead of the Florida Panthers. But I think this team who's played without Aaron Ackblad for a little while is going to be healthy. All they really, really, really have to worry about, I think, is Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, Mitch Marner beat him clean with a slap shot in last night's game. You probably missed it because you were dialed into uh, the Senators and Canadians. But this is a guy who can give you an uneven performance. And if you're going to go through Tampa or Toronto, Washington first, it might not be as critical, but you need the goaltending. And if you lose the goaltending battle, everything you did in the regular season won't mean anything. I was dialed into two games, actually. I was dialed into the Senators, Canadians, and the Laval Rocket and Syracuse Crunch because the Rocket are go. trying to make the playoffs in the AHL. So I definitely missed that game. But uh, I did catch the uh, the OT winner. I think Brandon Montreux won anyway. that pass from, from Leafs legend uh, Mason Marchment. Yeah, a lot of people. Mason Marchment's a yeah. stud. Yeah, Dennis Denny Malgan. Mal- Denny Malgan will live forever. <laughs> uh, well, here's the point I want to bring up with the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. You are absolutely right. The Tampa Bay Lightning reminded everyone that they could still lay a whooping if they could. But the Florida Panthers went toe-to-toe with them in a playoff series. And even though they lost that series, they threw some lumps at the Lightning too. And the way that the Florida Panthers, I'm sure you've seen them enough this year, they look like a team that if they, if another team wants that smoke, they're willing to punch back and deliver it too. I, I think if we get a repeat of that series between the, between the Panthers and the Lightning, it might end differently. There might be more bloodshed. And definitely the Florida Panthers, if they're going toe-to-toe in those scrums and fights or whatever happens, oh, they might win a few of those battles themselves. Just the way that they look, they're aggressive, they're mean, they're heavy, they can mm-hmm. forecheck well. And they could score like crazy. Their offense is loaded. Like this Florida Panthers team, clearly the best I've ever seen since they've been in this league. Like they're they're really good. And I think like if they go up against a Tampa, like obviously you have to give Tampa that respect because they have Andre Vasilevsky. And that might be the difference if it goes seven games. But I don't think the Florida Panthers, at least with them compared to other teams in the Atlantic division, like the Leafs, if they go up against a Tampa Bay, they might pose the biggest threat of any team them in Carolina, I guess, they might pose the biggest threats of any team in the Eastern Conference to derail the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you know what? We're all here for it. Not that we don't respect the Lightning. We all know about how great they are. But seeing the Florida Panthers get the better of the Lightning, having them be the team that kind of topples uh, the, a potential dynasty trying to be formed here, that mm-hmm. would be an interesting story. That would be an incredible way uh, to see them go down. Uh, at the hands of the Florida Panthers. So I'm not saying I'm rooting for it, but that would be a really fun story. The way the Panthers have scored this year, it's hard to imagine even the best goaltender on the planet, and that is Andre Vasilevsky. I'm sorry, Igor Shesterkin, but until you do it over a couple seasons, it still belongs to Vasilevsky. I agree. I agree with that thinking. It's hard to imagine, even then, that Florida gets completely shut down. Like, I mean, the way that they've put the puck in the net, it's not just, you know throwing 40 shots on net and hoping a couple squeak through. 
they are earning their goals on a nightly basis and they're scoring four, five, six a night. It seems like every time they go out, it's going to be hard for a goaltender to be the, the thing that just like it, the, the sole reason why a team beats Florida, a goaltender. I just cannot see that happen because they are so explosive. However, Tampa can, or Vassy can minimize some of it. He can mm-hmm. do his part and we know Tampa can score. So listen, I'm in Toronto. I'm going to be covering the Maple Leafs very closely in this playoffs. And I don't want to write the same story again this year. I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'd like to see them win because I don't want to write the exact same story for the fifth or sixth consecutive spring. However, it's hard to imagine that it doesn't happen in the second round, Tampa and Florida. Even though I was so bullish on Toronto like four or five days ago, I just thought it was different. And then I saw the old Tampa Bay where they're bullying everyone and outclassing everyone. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've gone, I, I, I jumped, I jumped the gun a little bit. I still think it's going to be an incredible series between Toronto and Tampa Bay. And whoever gets Florida has a chance to beat Florida. But I just think Florida is on another level right now. And I think either way, whether it's upsetting Leaf fans or taking down the two times defending Stanley Cup champions, Florida is in a great position right now. Can I offer some words of reassurance to you with regards to your thinking of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I'm sure you've already seen with uh, both John Cooper and Wayne Simmons kind of reiterating this. Mm-hmm. That 8-1 game, as much of a demolishing that it was for Tampa, it's a one-off. Like it John is. Cooper himself said, like they, he doesn't expect that from the Leafs. And Wayne Simmons said, hey, like they know they're a good team. That's not going to happen again. I'd be stunned if we saw a game in the playoffs like that between those two teams. I still think Tampa See, I would, edge on the Leafs. I wouldn't be stunned. I wouldn't stunned. be stunned if we you saw that one like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe not 8-1, but there's something. I don't even know how much it matters. But when the Leafs get dragged into a game that's played exclusively in the muck, like that one was, where it's just nonsense and sticks are flying around, skates are flying around, chirps, fights, retaliation, whenever all that stuff is happening, it doesn't come naturally to the Maple Leafs and it always comes naturally to the opposition. I mean, Tampa was in complete control of all that hijinks where Toronto clearly was out of control and not dealing with it very well. So if you can press the right buttons, if you're the opposition, if you can do that again, then you can have an advantage. And the thing about Tampa is they are so good in the muck. They excel in the muck. They are the dirtiest skilled team there is. They know what they're doing. And that, if you're a Leaf fan, has to be scary. If they can drag them in to that fight, into the muck, they're not going to be successful in the muck. We've seen it a million times. The Leafs don't win games in the muck. They don't. They struggle in the muck. Tampa excels in the muck. It's Playoffs are all about being in the muck. And playoffs are all about being in the muck. And Tampa, that's the reason. That's how they've overcome it. They were the ultra-skilled team before that was doing what the Leafs are doing. And then they became a team that does it both ways. And they can win in a variety of ways. And I think the Leafs have to learn from that experience and not enter the muck. Stay out of the muck. Make it skill versus skill, fire versus fire. I think it's great that the Leafs had to go through that, that they lost that game 8-1, that they got embarrassed from a physicality standpoint. I think those are great things because it's a reminder that you can't play that game. No matter how many Wayne Simmons, Kyle Cliffords are in the lineup, Ilya Labushkins, it doesn't matter. They're going to do it better than you. So I think it's good that the Leafs experience that. And I think it's wise if they remind themselves that they can't get sucked into it. 
Yeah. But I mean, eight, one, I'm with you on the fact that, you know what, maybe the Leafs won't be able to handle some of the more rougher stuff, but an eight, one loss, that is the wheels falling off Mm -hmm. on every quarter of your car or whatever device used to get around. Like (laughs) that's not, that's a scoreline. That's not going to repeat itself in the playoffs, especially with how teams are supposed to lock down when it comes time. The Leafs are not going to lose a game eight, one. We can play this clip back if they eventually do in the playoffs, but they won't do that. But they can get embarrassed. Doesn't have to be a one to be embarrassing. Fine. They can so get embarrassed. I, I just think they have to do what they do. And if they decide that they want to fill the fourth lineup with guys who might be able to fight Pat Maroon, I'm of the mind ignoring Pat Maroon is really like you can fight him once, but if you just try to play that game, I believe they're going to lose that game. And uh, it's the opposite of how I felt four or five days ago. I shouldn't be reacting to that game as much as like, as I am, but that's really what Tampa's. On you. That's what Tampa has done to win two straight Stanley Cups. They're as they're more skilled than you, and they know how to be dirtier than you. They've done it for two straight playoff rounds or uh, playoff showings. Yeah, it's uh, something to think about. Anyway, look. Uh, anyway, it was supposed to be about Florida. We were talking more about who Florida might play, but just to tie a bow on them, I think it's just a. It's another reminder that not all teams are built the same i mean this is not a team that was scorched earth i mean they've been bad for a long time they've got some good players through drafting over many many years but this was kind of put together really quickly slapped together built obviously around ekblad and huberdo and uh barkov but they just went out and be like hey we want this 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 let's put it all together and let's see what happens they just made a string of really really smart moves they way overpaid on a goaltender making 10 million a year. Who's not even that great. Yeah. But they built this team really quickly and maybe even in some people's minds, sort of sloppily, but it all came together perfectly. And this team is, is just a reminder that there's different ways to skin the cat. And uh, I guess that's pun intended or perhaps not because Tampa will be trying to Oh, I see what you did there. Skin the cat. Cause the, the Panthers like to refer yeah. to themselves as cats, but that is a good point though. I mean, I, I like not to kind of peel the curtain back here with the CJ show, but we put out this poll uh, where we're allowing fans to vote on who they think should win a lot of the major awards and an overwhelming amount of people are voting for who I think will probably go down as the obvious candidate to win is Bill Zito because of the moves that he's been ma- able oh. to make to make the team as good as it has Amazing. been. And it's interesting to say sloppily. I don't know if it's sloppily. It's just good fortune. I mean, the fact that they were able to make that Sam Bennett trade work from last year, like yeah. that is really incredible to see. Now I mean, it's just freewheeling. It was just free spending. Yeah. Like we don't know, normally happen. see that. And we're like, when people are doing that, like, whoa, what are they doing? What if that doesn't work? They're going to be screwed. But literally everything he did worked out perfectly. It worked. And Sam, and now they have Reinhardt too. Uh, the Ben Chirot trade, a lot of people are like, oh man, you know, they gave Ben Chirot. They spent a lot for Giroud, but Giroud was amazing these last You have Claude years. Giroud as like a... He's just a like weapon. A, yeah, they just, have a, just they just have a former captain, like one of the best players in the of the last, of the salary cap era. He's, not he's just been a weapon, to the Stanley Cup final chilling before. On, chilling on the second line, just doing damage. Like, hmm. Two hard trophy candidates, if you ask me. I think Barkov's just as, ad good, as good of a season as Jonathan Huberdeau. I... I actually think maybe even better. Like they're just, right. uh, they're a machine. They're a machine. And they've just yeah, been built they, a different way. Absolutely. And Zito, and, as you mentioned, deserves a lot of credit for it. 
They absolutely do. And just to kind of kind of do a call back to the president's trophy, it means absolutely nothing if they get dusted in the first round. But like I, I think this is a Florida Panthers team that has the stomach to go win more than one round and even go all the way to the final this year. I, I, I'd be if it's not Tampa Bay or Florida, I'd be stunned at whoever else would come out. Right. So I, I think the Panthers have a really good chance. They're really built to win this year. And just to insert Toronto again, I think Toronto has a better chance. I think they're better matched up against Florida than they are Tampa. So if they get through mm-hmm. Tampa, if you beat the two times defending Stanley Cup champions, the amount of good energy vibes coming out of that and coming out of a matchup where you might just think, hey, we're as powerful as Florida. We haven't shown it necessarily all year, but we got the guns too. Uh, anyway, the Atlantic Division is going to be very, very interesting. And of course, it runs through sunrise with the florida panthers uh i went on the i went in on this a little bit in the solo podcast i did earlier this week but this is uh probably the most interesting story of this past week and i want to ask you i'll preface it with this what do leaf fans in the frederick anderson era and pete DeBoer have in common um wait repeat that question one more time what do leaf fans in the frederick anderson era and pete DeBoer have in common um they are frustrated with goaltending. Yeah, yeah. I think my answer was like everything. The goal, everything is the goaltender's fault. But I, yeah, you're in the ballpark. Everything okay. is the yeah. fault right. of the goaltender. That, that makes sense. At least in the eyes of Pete DeBoer. And I'm kidding, Lee fans. But maybe we we're everyone was a little too harsh on Frederick Anderson. They were really hard However, on Freddie. I digress. No one is harder on their goaltenders than Pete DeBoer. I mean, I don't know what is going on with this guy. I mean, he elicited the your colleague, the Photoshop from Alan Walsh, but now this beef with Robin Leonard at the most important time of the, of the season at a desperate moment in this franchise's young history. And there haven't been many desperate moments, Um, but still they needed to get in the playoffs this year and him beefing with the goaltender down the stretch in must win games. I don't know what he's thinking. So the story is, I mean, there was like a pull, like he, he played well or he played poorly. He got criticized. That was Robin Leonard by Pete DeBoer. Then he got back into a game, let up one goal in the opening period on 13 shots, and then didn't come out for the second third uh, second period, was replaced by Logan Thompson. Uh, the reason from DeBoer was that he felt the team didn't react well to the goal that Robin Leonard gave up. Uh, I don't know how Robin Leonard feels about this, but in the days following, it was reported that Robin Leonard was going to have surgery. Now, this seems like a surgery out of protest because he wasn't happy with how he's been sort of uh, treated by his coach, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, this seems like a very short leash. It seems like criticism that is a little bit unfounded. But anyway, Robin Leonard all of a sudden wanted to have the surgery to fix what is ailing him. They look like they're in discussions and negotiations to put off that surgery so he can still play and hopefully get them in the playoffs over the last three games over the even though it looks like it's very like unlikely that they will get in, even if they win all their games, like this is just a complete mess. And as a reminder, this is on the backdrop of Pete DeBoer being partly responsible for the legend, the first ever legend of the Vegas Golden Knights, Marc-Andre Fleury, someone who's going to be in the rafters one day meant the world to this franchise and to that city. He helped orchestrate his exit a few years earlier. Oh, not, not a few years earlier, earlier this year, but it was yeah. two years ago. He chose Leonard over Flurry. That Photoshop came out. Then Flurry had to come back in and win the Vesna trophy because Leonard wasn't around. Like, this is a mess, dude. 
everything about this and everything about <laughs> Pete DeBoer's handling of his goaltenders is an absolute mess. And just like everything, just like what's going on with this franchise, it's like they're doing too much. The Vegas Golden Knights did too much. It's going to cost them. Now, Pete DeBoer has done way too much with his goaltenders, and he might not have anyone to play for him next year because I don't think Robin Leonard wants to be there anymore. It's actually wild what's going on with Pete DeBoer. He's got to chill with his goaltenders because just yeah. like Freddie Anderson, there are other problems at play. <laughs> I don't know how else to respond to that. That's just like a Sorry. weird. No, don't. Sorry, Lee. Don't apologize. Don't apologize for that at all. My goodness. Like, just like a weird story. Not to mention that, like, ESPN, the athletic, put out reports saying there was going to be the surgery or whatever he was not going to play. And then Pete DeBoer's like, no, I expect him to be available and have everyone go into a panic over that. And, like, that, that, like, this is so weird. Like, (laughs) I don't know. If you're, if you're, I mean, we've seen a lot of weird stuff with the Vegas Golden Knights this year between them just surviving through, trying to survive through all the injuries that they've had uh, the Evgeny Dadanov debacle being as it played out. And, and now this, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, obviously before all of that as well, the, it feels as if there's never been a dull moment in the history of that franchise. There has like, like when's the most dull moment this franchise has ever endured. What, like, when was it? Losing when was the Stanley it? Cup final. That was like the only thing that like made sense. Uh, yeah. But even being that, in the Stanley like, the Cup final didn't make sense. But it didn't make sense. Like they should have been there, but they were there. We were just like, like okay, okay, okay. You you did well. Five. You guys were awesome, but this makes yeah, this fine. Fun. And look, you lose to a just guy who so. we all wanted to see get a Stanley Cup and Alexander Ovechkin. But like, there has never been adult. The Vegas Golden Knights fan base will never see peace as far as that's concerned because it has to always be all gas, no breaks with the mm-hmm. franchise. That's how it has to work. And Pete DeBeer doing this, like. It, it just will, kind of falls in line with how things are supposed to go. The Golden Knights yeah. always supposed to I be. I mean, I, I will say Pete DeBoer is as much a Golden Knight as anyone because he, he yes. lives it. He lives the Golden Knight experience where it's like, uh, this isn't working right now. I have no time for this. Let's move on. And the fact that they went from Flurry to Leonard and now Leonard to Thompson. I mean, what he doesn't understand or doesn't seem to understand is every time you give up on a goaltender, you're going to a goaltender that's less equipped to do the job that they need, that you need from them. Flurry is better than Leonard and Leonard is better than Thompson. It, they're just, they're just like putting them in a, they're putting themselves in a position where they're getting actively worse because they don't have any patience. So Pete DeBoer, I mean, a golden knight as much as anyone ever has been. Uh, with his actions and how this has gone down with Leonard. And the best thing about this involving Leonard, because I hope he's okay. I hope what he's dealing with is not a big deal. I hope his mental health isn't affected by what's going on, but this is an honest dude. And if he has been uh, mistreated by Pete DeBoer here, if he's been unfairly cast or unfairly maligned by Pete DeBoer, we're probably going to figure out and learn about it. We're going to hear about it, whether it's on Twitter or it's in an article in ESPN or the athletic, we're probably going to hear about it which is a great thing. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, I feel yeah. like there's some layers to this story that we don't necessarily know just yet. But anyway, a lot of noise, a lot of stuff has gone down in Vegas and it's not going to result in anything this year. It looks like um, that actually helps me segue into the last topic that we're going to go into today. And that's just, you know, we're like six days left in the regular season here. We can review what we were right and wrong about. We'll probably do this quickly because we talked about all this stuff a little bit, but I think it's worth just revisiting some of the things that we were uh, proud to say that we forecast and 
proud to say that we, uh, or uh, not proud to say that uh, we have to admit that we uh, messed up on. Um, one of them for me was the Vegas Golden Knights. I thought they were going to win the President's Trophy. The $25 million that doesn't exist, I thought it might be theirs um because <laughs> i thought they i thought they were gonna have a tremendous season and that was before jack eichel came aboard i just thought this was like one of the machines in the nhl that just knows how to play regular season hockey and could repeat what they did uh the previous four or five years or however long they've been in existence so i was way off on then my islanders stanley cup prediction went up in smoke Ooh, pretty nice. quickly uh so that was bad but I did say Florida was going to win the division. And I heard I got a lot of crap, a lot of flack for that. And they they're clearly that they, well, they've won it, but they've clearly been the class of not just the division, but the Eastern Conference. I do have a Igor Shesterkin Vesna ticket. So I have proof that I thought he was going to have a spectacular season. But I think the one that I'm proudest about is forecasting the Seattle Kraken being terrible because you did everyone, everyone loved the Kraken coming in. 92 points projected total in Vegas. Everyone picking them to, you know, maybe win the Pacific, come second, beat out both Alberta teams. They were going to be the hot thing this year. They were going to do what Vegas did because they built, you know, they didn't have a great expansion draft, but they got a lot of decent players. Proud to say that I thought they were going to be terrible. They are terrible. You called it. You did what get else? it right. What do, what do you got? What do you got? Okay. Um, I too was right there with you calling the Florida Panthers, uh, the division team to win mm-hmm. in the Atlantic. We're I the only podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we, we believed in the Florida Panthers. Uh, so I want that. On top of that, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but I am very close to having correctly predicted the top four teams in the Atlantic division. As I said, it was going to be Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, then Boston. Oh, you got it. Uh, that's happening. I, I, I think that's going to be that. Just don't ask me about who I picked to be fifth in that division because i said that uh, the montreal canadians were going to be going to compete for a playoff spot this year and uh they went through the worst franchise they've ever like season they've ever had worst yeah, season this, franchise, yeah this is this is uh this is pretty bad there's no uh there's no uh calling back on me being all like hey you know uh this is the greatest canadian team i've ever seen kind of wild i have gone through watching the greatest canadian team i've ever seen in my life and the year after the worst team i have ever seen in my life kind of funny how those things have kind of you know matriculated and you know all the funny stuff that has happened in between uh the islanders I'm right there with you uh i didn't say they're gonna win the cup but i did say they were gonna win the metropolitan division something they have not done since the 80s man i did not think that uh starting what like how many games on the road would uh, affect them yeah, that much. Yeah, that was that was dumb. Oh, should have known. Man. I should have at least waited to say oh. like, okay, they got to weather that storm, and then maybe we'll be. They didn't weather the storm. Yeah. Uh, in the Pacific Division, uh, when I made uh, division picks, I said it would be Vegas, Edmonton, Seattle, and Vancouver as the top four teams in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. That is bad. Only one of those four teams are going to make the playoffs. Vancouver could still be four. <laughs> And you, I think you had Edmonton too. So you got two of the slots. I did have Edmonton too. So uh, at the very least, I, I have that. And I think Edmonton could clinch too. Uh, mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, in. that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I whiffed on Calgary. I whiffed on St. Louis. St. Louis is a team that everyone is sleeping on right now. They mm-hmm. have all those 20 goal scorers on their team. No one's really talking about them right now. I whiffed no, they on could them be dangerous. Sure. Yeah, it could be very dangerous. Uh, I gave way too much credit, I think, to Chicago. 
to that as well. Uh, Yeah, Philly, I think I was thinking they'd be a little bit better too. Columbus, I shortchanged a little bit, even though they're uh, not going to make the playoffs as well. Um, I got a lot wrong, but I'm very proud of the things that I got right. Actually, one other prediction that I made this year, not even made, but a proclamation that I made this year on television, on national television, that the most underrated player in the league was Jonathan Huberto, and that this year a lot of people would be talking about him this year. That might be the proclamation I'm the most proud of. Because everyone else was saying, oh, it's Kyle Connell. So everybody like, no, it's Jonathan Huberto, because he was a guy who was just kind of there in Florida, producing pretty well, but not nearly having the explosion he was having this year. I could say I'm, I'm dead ass right about that. And look, he might not even end up on a heart trophy ballot this year. And people will say, all right, fine. You know, the reason why he's not there is because he doesn't play defense. And he plays on that stack team in Florida. But I think when we look back at his season, especially if he wins the Art Ross Trophy oh. this year, man, we are going to look back at that and be like, man, that was a really good year from Jonathan Huberto. He did a lot of great things offensively. So I feel pretty good that's about a good how one. I forecast that's a good the Panthers. One. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. And it, it means more, too. I mean, it, it's all about volume on podcasting, right? Like we can spend a million takes all the time. We can change our minds. I literally on the last one said, I'm, I'm all over the Leafs. I think they're going to dominate in the first round. And then they play a game and now I feel like an idiot. Like it's all about volume <laughs> with takes on podcasts. But if you're on that rare national TV spot where you only have about 30 seconds to make your point and you nail something like Jonathan Huberto uh, competing for an Art Ross and a Hart Trophy, I mean, you deserve a little bit At least saying he's than... underrated. Just like, hey, look, just, just, make it, just letting people know like Jonathan Huberto's that dude. I feel pretty good with that. I'm, I'm going to find that clip. If it's online somewhere, you better and put that out there and be like, hey, hey, who told you all about Jonathan Huberto? You better. You know, uh, hey, look. Um, That's a, I, anyway. I will say I was right about Florida. I was all over Florida. We were all over Florida. We were the Florida podcast before there were Florida podcasts. But I yes. also had a theory that if we if you took every all the f- top four teams, of the Atlantic, the ones that we thought were going to make it did make it. You bet the under on all four of those teams. You'd make a ton of money. They're all going to go over their total. So I was way, 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 way off on that as well. They, the, the Atlantic division beyond the other four, the top four, non-competitive, it turns out. Completely non-competitive. Uh, but that should make for a competitive postseason, which is right around the corner. Before we get to that, before we move on, we got the tire pumps. Uh, I'm going to give my tire pump to Boko Imama, who scored his first career NHL goal for the Arizona Coyotes against, I believe, the St. Louis. Yes, it was the St. Louis Blues on Saturday night. Now, it's special for a lot of reasons. It's special. Every first NHL goal is special. But I think with Boku Imamo, it's special because, like, when you think about that name and that player, a lot of negativity because of what he's had to go through. And that's what it was about when you thought of that name is what he's had to go through. I'm happy that he gets a moment that people are going to remember him for, that people are going to savor an important moment, an awesome moment, his family cheering in the stands. It was awesome to see him score that goal and have a great memory from the sport because he's been through a lot in his past and even this year. Uh, so shout out to Boku Imama for scoring his first NHL goal. That was awesome to see. Really cool story. Uh, a guy who's been kind of toiling around the American hockey league for quite some time. Yep. He's unfortunately uh, been victimized on at least two occasions. Yeah. of racist incidents in the and NHL known well. occasions. I'm sure it's been rampant and that's absolutely sick and obviously just gross. But the fact that it happened, this like, it's just, it's awful, but that he gets a moment like that. So cool. Absolutely. 
Um, I think giving Gila Fleur and, and his family a tire pump is kind of not necessarily the thing I would want to do for this. I think the way that we remembered him at the beginning of the show was more yeah. than suitable. And I think just giving him a tire pump at the end doesn't really do him justice. I'm going to keep it on brand for hockey as much as I would want to admit to everyone I was wrong about the Raptors not taking Scotty Barnes as he ends up being rookie of the year. So I'm actually going to give my tire pump uh, to Steven Stamkos, who uh, a couple of days ago set the record uh, for most points by a Tampa Bay Lightning player ever, surpassing Martin St. Louis in the process. So I'm going to give it to Steven Stamkos, a man who maybe more than anyone on that Tampa Bay Lightning roster really wants a playoff series against the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, mm. coming in May. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, I can't imagine, uh, not that I can't imagine, I can't imagine Steven Stamkos against the Toronto Maple Leafs that is going to be a very, very fun series. And I can't wait to see you talk about it and write about it and occasionally chime in whenever that happens uh, to talk about the Leafs going through what they're going through. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't say that we were a Steven Stamkos podcast last year, but I think in our discussions, we, you know, we wanted to see him have that moment. I, I know you were covering the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. You're not cheering for Montreal, but like no. a, a bit of a different, difficult, uh, you know, line to balance there. But I think you and I both wanted to see Stamkos have his moment after sitting out that almost entire Stanley Cup run the first time for him to have his moment last year was awesome. And he's really rediscovered his form. I mean, this is the guy who was fading a little bit, dealing with a lot of injuries. I think maybe running at a little gas a little bit from just, it looked like it was from his NHL career. He was kind of fading, but he's had that Ovi late career resurgence where he just looks like he's right back at the height of his powers. And Steven Stamkos is again, that dominant force that he was. I mean, the lightning were talking about potentially trading him before. Like this is, it hasn't been all roses uh, lately, but with what's going on with him since he won that second Stanley cup. I mean, it's been all gravy. He's been awesome. So shout out to him for reaching uh, an important milestone in that franchise's history. He's clearly the best player that franchise has ever seen. Uh, let's leave it there, bud. Uh, that was the last regular season edition the Iowa sports hockey podcast next week. We'll be teeing up the eight series in the first round of the playoffs. And then we'll just see what happens from there. We'll, uh, we'll cover all the action. We'll laugh about the Leafs uh, and we'll, uh, you know, maybe have to give them their respect if they, uh, if they actually make it happen this year, but uh, you and I will be on our shows talking playoff hockey soon enough. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward uh, for us to go from, where we're at right now before the end of the regular season to the playoffs with this podcast and zone time. As far as I'm concerned, it's the most interesting uh, podcast hockey development in human history. So I'm really excited for that. And I missed the crossword episode, but it's a cross. It's the only crossword worthy hockey podcast on USA today. So shout out to crossword famous crossword famous shout out to you shout out to the zone time crew and shout out to the listeners for taking in another edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. We'll talk next week, Julian. Peace.